Don't you just love that song? I mean, Bruce Springsteen. It's cliche to say, but I love the fact that it's such a great national anthem. Right. I, but it's uh, it's an anti-war song. Oh, not not just anti-war, anti-outsourcing. It's oh, all yeah, about not being able to get work and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was just saying, I, I just think Max Weinberg is the most underrated drummer in... I often will look like, who's the best drummers in rock and roll? He does not show up. Maybe he's like in 68 or something. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't show up. That's yeah. Really, yeah. But he's so tasteful. Right. And if you listen to the drums in this, he, it's very conscious. So he has that driving beat, but his fills sound like he's falling off the stool. Right. You know, which is this kind of order-disorder thing going on in the song. Like, I, you know, I'm, that's what I'm reading into it. Like, it just... That's so beautiful. He's still not the greatest drummer in rock and roll history. Well, who is? Ringo. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. No. I'm being dead serious. He's you're going being, for it. You, oh. You're being dead wrong. He's going for it. You're being dead Ringo. wrong. All right, Our most listen. controversial episode today. <laughs> it's a fight. Never heard that before. Ringo Starr, uh, huh? Ringo. I, I like him, but I'm going to go ahead and This is some revisionist history if I've ever heard it. Keith Moon is definitely at least up in the top three. Neil Peart. Neil Peart. Just Peart. passed. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen his setup? Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I have. It's oh, pretty God. wacky. All right, now, folks, we're going to have Uh-oh. our guest free associate on my drawing now. We're going to, not that we're not loose enough, but loosen us up a little bit further. And now, um, it's not description. You have to free associate. If you. If you describe this, I actually have an electrical shock that goes to your headphones <laughs> as a button that I push. I think these already short out so much that there's already yeah, I that. think there's enough electricity uh, going around. All right. In All right, three, two, one. Reassociate. Uh, bush light on uh, a... Description. Cool winter's day. It's not free association. That's description. But yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, no, pop, it's, it's... Pop uh, tabs. It's yeah, it's 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 chilling. Oh jeez. It's chilling. gravy. You guys need it's to take chilling. a free association no, course. No, and it's a it's a, <laughs> no, 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 it's a it's a I got to do a course at Smith called it's, Free Associations. It's a, it's a Put me in the department. Race it's a car house bed. that looks like a woman. <laughs> That's description. That's description. No, it's not. All right, you guys fed. <laughs> All right, that that would be. I'd probably about give you if I was if you were in my class, it's about a forty-two out of a hundred. Okay, so you know. Well, given the opportunity to free associate, I'm going to say bushlight all the time. So it's not description. Well, that's I how did. That's, bushlight that's is a feeling. Bushlight is a feeling. I did lay that as a trap for you, a beer can. I knew that you wouldn't be able to not describe that. <laughs> I almost bounced my, my first word. You could have drawn. You could have drawn a banana. I was going to say bushlight. Beer. Well, the problem with doing these free association drawings is they always end up being. A bunny rabbit or some animal and a piece of fruit. <laughs> like, it's hard to even, like, do something loose with your free association drawing. So, um, I do love Springsteen. I had made fun of him a couple of weeks ago for his Christmas song because I was, I was talking about, you know, holiday music and how, how much I don't like his, you better watch it. Oh, that one, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah but yeah. he is such a master. And even his most recent work is pretty good. I agree, especially I agree. for someone it's, it's holding up. advanced in age. Yeah. Like he somehow uh, still writes good songs and and can sing them. I mean, his he's only singing in one octave, really. It's right. not like he's yeah, he Roger Daltrey or something no, like that. That's true. Ringo Starr. Huh? I'm gonna have to look into that. <laughs> I do love the Beatles, and I can see that he's a great drummer in his own way. Just wouldn't make him the greatest rock drummer. 
He's uh, not. He's not for innovation and pioneering. No. Yeah. Now it's oompa beats. It's just all oompa. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think like it was more. Beatles. No, I think it was more than that. Especially the late only, Beatles. I'm going to go ahead and say that the only great instrumentalist in the Beatles was Paul. Yeah, Paul. Oh, true. You know, as yeah. a bassist, there's no question. Bass. He's a great piano bassist. player. Yeah. Yeah, but the bass is amazing, yeah. and the Beatles. But I as a agree. songwriters and as a thing, I mean, they're just interstellar honestly yeah, yeah all right now you you were beating up on me quietly before the break greg greg was beating up on me, and Waylon's shaking his head he sees yeah. that he sees that i agree with him oh well okay well of course you two on one yeah, yeah i know yeah, well, you're no, outnumbered. But i wasn't willing to jettison the analogy i was you were i was basically saying wait a second you're telling me that the fall of the Western Roman Empire led to an age of innovation? You can make the argument that the fall of the decrepit old part of the Western Roman Empire led to a, a, something that was a little bit more liberating. Uh-huh. But I'm not, I'm not really willing to let go. I'm not really willing to go with that argument. Yeah, I'm not an expert on the fall of Rome or the Dark Ages. But there's something about that argument that just kind of really, you're going to have to do a lot of convincing to get me to believe in that. And the reason it's important is because it gets to a fundamental idea of does innovation happen in localism times or in federated times or empire times? You know, I'm a little bit a Pax Americana. I mean, that's, I am kind of a believer in empire, I have to say. And so I'm not willing to jettison that yet because to me, the article is saying, well, empires are really stagnant. And I'm like, well, now, come on now. Like, think of the innovations of the Western Roman Empire or the Roman Empire. They're vast. So the conceit that, that somehow the fall of the Roman Empire led to a golden age, I'm just not, I'm not ready to go there. We don't have to dwell on it, but I'm not ready to, I'm not really ready to accept that. I, I, have, I have issues with that. And yet I'm a big proponent of localism. You know, every other episode we talk about, we talk about going local. So I want to be careful. That you got to move the goalpost here. Yeah. Because we, we all, I believe, agree that more that a, the localism is not necessarily going to spur innovation. But what we were talking about, you're, you're getting hung up on that idea that the fall of the Roman Empire. But I digress. The thing that is kind of a moot point of all of this now is that we live in a modern society a, a where the democracy of information brought forth by the internet has really kind of crumbled this idea of what we're talking about. Because mm-hmm. even when you're thinking on the local level, you are you know, a couple of clicks away on oh, your yeah. phone to access on a, on a global scale. Well, that's and the I, first thing you do, right? If you oh, want to yeah. do like a compost or raise bees or Or see how good of a, camper. a drummer Ringo Starr is. Yeah, you <laughs> right. get on the right. internet. Well, I think that's a really good point. That in fact, if usually these localist things, the first thing they do is jump on the. That's the first thing I would do, um, and I guess that kind of uh, alloys it a little bit. Like it, it, it doesn't really make it that local. Actually, like they're local moves, but they're informed. That's positive, right? Because if I want to raise bees, then I probably should go on YouTube and look at people who are really good at it. I mean, ideally, I'd find someone in my community who's really good at it who'd be willing to kind of sit with me and do it because then I'm getting connection. But I don't. I, you know, I think that's right. Um, I mean, I, and for me, I, I, just to stay with the the analogy challenge, and th- that is that when you, I mean, the, the old French phrase about the more things change, the more they stay the same. I really disagree with that. <laughs> I think things just profoundly change all the time, and I think historical analogies are often t- tied into a kind of like, this is just like X, this is just like Y, and it ties you back. 
And I think not always in really productive ways. Again, yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, I sure. take what you're saying about the Roman Empire, but I don't know. We'll just get hung up on the Roman Empire and rather than looking at what's happening now and trying sure. to figure it out. And sure, we have to be informed by history. We have to know historical examples. I mean, history is history. It's essential to study. But I, I think it, there's, a, there's a whiff, I think, in this Atlantic article of this is just like, right. you know, we've already seen this and there's what it is. And we, just by mentioning the internet, the Roman and post-Romans didn't have the internet. I mean, it's just there's a profound technological change, profound sort of everything change that you just can't deny. And so to, to, well, to right. get hung up on, mm. you know... Well, uh, I think you're right. 5th century, 6th century, 7th century, you know, uh, AD is, is... Well, it's is, the only reason we read the article, I think, is the <laughs> argument yeah, that we yeah. made. I do think that <clears throat> the author shoots himself in the foot, um, not to mock your injury, but... <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. We, we, uh-huh. have, we have one man uh, post-surgery on his foot, so yeah. I apologize. But, um, <laughs> but it's the... Okay, so, so let's see, think of it this way. And I've thought of this way because I'm a fan of Hegel, uh-huh. you know, and obviously Hegel has been disgraced many times and there's not too many people who want to bring Hegel back into history. Bring, bring him in. Um, one way to see it is... Put him on like, the show. I like to think of it... <laughs> I like to think of it as like, you know how rockets will have like the whole apparatus around them so that they can launch? Right. You know, all of that like architecture so that... Once you know, once they're in the ear, they can kind of like direct and stuff right, like that. But right. they need but get that the tower uh, around them to get them off the ground. Dude. And in some ways, I, like what I'm saying like this is analogy so far yeah. is that um, <clears throat> I find Hegel to be useful in just kind of like that that kind of erector set around a certain set of ideas and be like, is there like a synthesis going here? Where can we see this before? But I agree that if you get bogged down it, just like anything, if you get bogged down in the minutia of anything, then you can really get lost. But it's, again, like this article, we wouldn't be talking about this article if it didn't have, it's clickbait. Right. It's academic clickbait, right, right, basically, right, right, right. is what it is. And yet it's got us talking. Now, fundamentally, it's asking this question about federalism and localism. Well, it's also asking the question, I think, too, is like, what is the shape of history? You know, yeah. is history like a progress, you know, pro- progression that moves upward, you know, right. ever sort of steady in a kind of teleological way. It's getting to some end state. You know, if you're a Marxist, it's yes. going to go to, you Which know, very communism. Hegelian idea. Right, exactly. Or is it decline? Is it like, you know, just it's getting worse and worse and worse, kind of declensionist narrative. And you see that like, right. you know, in uh, like Rousseau. That's a kind of, you know, view yeah. of Rousseau. It's like, you know, it used to be really good, yeah. you know, noble savages, and then we've got all the civilization, and now we're, we're, or, or we're tribe, impoverished. Or Sebastian Youngest Tribe. Right. You've been on the, right. a show talking about that. Wayland just, just finished, finished it. it. Yeah. So I would agree that that's in that school. Yeah. Or is it just like random ups and downs? Right, right. Or a pendulum downs, that goes back and, and forth, or, you know, they, exactly. So Which is the scariest one in a way, <laughs> right? Because then life lacks meaning. We're just like in this Petri dish or this terrarium called Earth, you know, bouncing around. I mean, the the appeal of Marxism, the appeal of Hegelian thinking is that humanity is building to some purpose. It gives right. meaning where the church has declined and God has declined. Right. And that's significant. And so know? for me, and, and for me, it would just be there's this dynamism, as I was saying. And, and in some ways, there's a tremendous amount of improvement. And in some ways, there's some things that are hardly improved and not improved. So it can it can go back and forth, but it's just dynamic. And so that's why I push back against these you know, historical analogies. But you would yeah. agree that it, at least it's an, a nice compare and contrast to start a conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what you were saying yeah, earlier. Yeah, it can, it can spark an initial idea. I do and agree also, that, yeah. not just to find the similarities, but to find the differences. So right. Whalen was able to identify a m- massive difference between 
localism and and, mm-hmm. and we can also interestingly enough and perhaps this is just sport but you, we can go back and say well the catholic church was the internet of its time that is to say you know that mm-hmm. was the mm-hmm. means by which uh, people could communicate kings were illiterate you know the priesthood was as much like a means of communication between kingdoms and duchies and stuff like that the, the monasteries, monasteries were really right. important because of that so that was their internet of the time and yeah, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about a little bit more about localism and federalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, we like localism. It does make us feel good. What's wrong with feeling good? I mean, I think Zizek's a little dismissive. He's a little dismissive because I think he sees, I guess his anxiety might be, and it might be, I might share it with him, which is, I'm really, and I do have this anxiety. Sometimes when I people, when I see people feeling like they're saving the planet by doing certain things, it makes me anxious <laughs> because it makes me think that you guys aren't really aware of what's involved here. Like I want you to be awake. I don't want you to think this is saving the planet. Like um, I, it's okay because it's communal and you feel good doing it. And but this is not going to be the answer to this really really big problem. And I I want you to stay awake. And face it, let's all face it together or something. But if you think that composting, I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with it. If, if, but um, does that make any sense to you it guys? It does, but you're looking at it, <clears throat> excuse me, on the wrong level. You're not thinking about the internal satisfaction that you get and the easing of your own psyche rather no, than the larger. But that's more what we do. So, Great, uh, I'll send it to you. Great pot, uh, Planet Money did a great um, episode on plastics, right? You take your um, yogurt cut container, you wash it, you throw yeah. it into the thing. That goes to the local dump. The local dump then takes it and it recycles it. But what you don't know is that if it's not 100% clean, China is is getting f- containers, these freight containers with these. And if it's not 100% clean, they're dumping it in the ocean. Yeah. So everything that you've just done, is just absolutely null and void because you're actually making a problem because you're basically taking it and expediting the process of throwing it into the ocean. But for your own psyche, we're not going to stop that process anymore. We're going to keep on doing that. And it's because you need that kind of that mental kind why, of solidarity. Why, why does it, I'm just sorry, man, on a personal level, what, what was I wrong about? Because that's kind of what I was saying is that – Localism so, well, that, can make you feel good. That you that 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 person is doing this for the for that kind of extrinsic support of society, rather than doing it for an in, intrinsic means or an internal means of satisfaction. Well, it's both, isn't it? I mean, it like, doesn't always work. That's that's kind of like go. It's like it's like oh, that's my going to church. You know? Yeah. I mean, you certainly have an example that's persuasive, and I don't doubt it. But I do think that localism. That's not my problem with it. I think localism can be intrinsic and extrinsic. True. And, and it can work. It can be a really good thing. I mean, I know families that, you know, have one car, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not going in the ocean. I, I know what you're saying, um, and I get it. But and to, to, to actually support what you're saying, the, what I think that, lo- the, at least on the government and kind of municipal terms, lo- localism is good because it gives you a sense of agency that you don't see on a national level. So we, you have a, oftentimes you can, you know, you have city councils, this, that, the other thing, but you have a lot of direct democracy going on on the, on the local level where you have representative democracy on the national. And once you are removed there, it doesn't matter how many degrees, you lose your agency. Absolutely. 
So that's and what I love by, about. By the way, and well, that's I was thinking about you because Wayland's a big. Um, you know, he'll, he'll go Civics to city nerd. council meetings and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm the only one in the room. <laughs> he'll actually enjoy it, um, which is a condition that psychiatrists haven't really figured out a name for, but we'll go on the but DSM. there's something there. Yeah. There is something yeah. there. No, I agree with you. And by the way, you know, I'm a fan of the Stoics, uh, Marcus Aurelius and other Roman Stoic and Greek Stoic philosophers. And the Stoics were a response to the vastness of the empire. That is... A lot of Romans were overwhelmed by what back then would have been just as overwhelming as the American empire and the internet is now. Like, they weren't prepared for that necessarily. It had gotten so large that they couldn't wrap their heads around it because they're living 2,000 years ago. And yeah, no, and I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, first of all, Stoics would be a great band name. Maybe and, and, and a serious there. drummer in the Stoics, yeah. Let's get Ringo. Ringo's But I'm actually thinking, you know, as you, as you guys are speaking, I'm thinking a lot about Australia. And, uh-huh. the, and the wildfires. And so local is great, but local, and this yeah, is maybe an argument point. for more of a Zizek kind of cosmopolitan you know, view that, you know, in Australia, you got to deal with this fire and you got to deal with it at the national level. So yes. this, is, this is galvanized Australian debate. I mean, I've been trying to follow it pretty closely. Trying to, you know, it's galvanizing Australian debate at the national level. It's like, WTF, we have got to deal with this. And local will do nothing except maybe try to survive these horrible fires. Right. And it's also got a global piece to it, too, because, you know, uh, Australia is, you know, relying on coal exports to China with the decline of Mm. the United States. In this regard, I think the United States economy's decline vis-a-vis China in the Mm -hmm. last, you know, 10 years is is something that causes the Australians worry. And they've been trying to sell coal to China to earn foreign exchange, but it's— it's a terrible for it's terrible for Australia. It's terrible for the globe. It's terrible for climate change, Absolutely. and and this is going to require a more cosmopolitan, a more global response, a more national response than a mere you know recycling or, or you know local work that that we I, like I, to appraise. Um, we will have no choice. We have no choice. Right. I mean, this could lead to internationalism in a way that nothing else has been able to lead to internationalism because it's literally. You know, the Pioneer Valley, for example, should have the best air <laughs> around. It's that the air in the Pioneer Valley is bad because New York City stuff comes up the Connecticut Valley. Or and the exhaust pipe. And there's yeah. coal plants to the west of us. Right. And so we're sitting in paradise here and our air is bad. You know, right. Valley is, of course, a basin and, and takes a lot of pollution. Um, yeah. 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 It's hard to know. I mean, that's one of the arguments that people make on behalf of uh, uh, of of the... Uh, of of China and you know there's that whole it's a it's an argument it's called climate malism mm. where because China has more authoritarian um in uh um stru- you know uh, political structures, structures yeah. um it can engineer changes that need to be taken at the national level or and, and, and other you know east asian autocracies can do that uh, much more readily than a liberal democracy right so yeah and liberal yeah. democracies are consumptive Right. It's, a cons- it's really it's about based on individual freedom and you know, freedoms, I can do what I want to do and get this yep. to market and right. you know perhaps perhaps we need to look at that Waylon yeah no you, you, you when you have too much it's got to sound real bad this is going to be the, the, too much we always freedom? say like sound bites where it's like yeah. oh yeah like oh, during my political yeah. campaign 20 no, years from now n- like this none is going to come ha- out none of us have a future <laughs> it's just if like, you've been on this show yeah. your future is China. oh sorry 
China's really efficient. <laughs> um, but, you know, with free thought, and like, it just goes back to that kind of the locality of things. Like the breakdown of that, it will foster innovation in those localities because you're going to have like-minded individuals that more or less live next, near each other. You see that with, um, you know, different ethnicities banding together in cities and, and just the natural kind of pan out of things. It can be something that is, is actually stifling yeah. going back to... Okay, interesting. Um, All right, that that goes to it. That goes to the article a little bit. Um, The other thing is I think compensation is going to be a big issue in the future. That is to say, and this goes to what you're saying, is if we're asking people to let go of certain economic drivers, then there has to be compensation from people who don't have to let go of them. I've always used this example of like, well, if we're going to get rid of plastic bags, we need to identify what parts of the country produce plastic bags. And instead of doing the Clinton thing and say we're going to retrain you and then just disappear there there has to be if with sudden changes there also has to be real compensation for people who mm-hmm. are left behind mm-hmm. or people whose economies are, are devastated by these big moves i think there should probably be like a department in the government that just deals with like okay if if this and this happens who is it going to affect and who do we need to take care of and that's got to come out of people who aren't being directly affected and that's where you need that's where you need effective national governments i mean an example that goes to that is that you know Three decades ago, four decades ago, you know, German and Spanish and UK fisheries were like, you know, they were sending their trawlers out to, to overfish, yeah. right? And the German government said, this is not sustainable. This is not a long-term strategy. What we need to do is minimize our fishing industry. And they provided training, job retraining for, for, for incentives, you know, sort of help people at the local survival. level transition into non-fishing jobs. The Spaniards didn't. And now the Spaniard fishing industry is way overdeveloped and it goes down the coast of West Africa and strips, you know, West African fish. But my point is just that, you know, governments, this is a role for governments to play. And we too often live in a kind of view is like government bad, taxation's bad, you know, regulation bad. And and it's just like, no, you need regulation. You need government. You need your roads plowed and you need safe, you know, safety rules and legislation. And you need, you know, educational, you know, um, bureaucracies. Uh, can I tell you guys a quick story? Uh, advertisement for two things. Uh, the, long, the Worst Hard Time by Timothy Egan's about the Dust Bowl. Uh-huh. That book is excellent. He's a great writer. Oh, man, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, he's a very good writer. And there's also a great podcast now called Boomtown, which is about the oil industry in really a very similar place. It's a Permian cool. Basin in West Texas. I mean, excellent job talking about oil and, and the boom and bust economies out mm, there, right? I re- I, I, I've heard of it and I want to listen to it. There's uh, a gr- Drilled is also good. Another one okay, about oil. I'll check that out. Yeah, drilled. There's this great scene that this guy has gone to the Congress to testify about how much people need help in the panhandle. Mm-hmm. And he's in the con- Congressional Senate room in a committee giving testimony and he's stalling for time. And his assistant comes up and he says, you need another hour and a half. And so he's just talking about all kinds of stuff. And the senators are sitting there like, you know, like, what's he talking about? Like, this is so boring. And he stalls long enough that the sky goes black. (gasps) Yeah. And this dust storm that had kicked up in Oklahoma comes into Washington. And it blots out the sun. And his assistant knew where it was. They were tracking when it was come. (laughs) The next day, the Senate passes all the bills that he had asked for, appropriates all the funding. It's a great scene. He's literally stalling until the dust ball cloud covers the sun in Washington. That's what we're talking about to a certain extent, right? Yeah. You've got to feel it. You've got that's to know Australia. it. That's Australia. That's what I that's think. Australia. That's the Australia yeah. moment right now. Well, that's do a, we really feel that? Because I don't. In the United States? No, it's true. I mean, but I think it is happening. And, and in that case, you know, 
continent, continent-wide country. Yes. <laughs> They're having that conversation. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you saw the president or prime minister of Australia went down to, and no one would shake his hand. Did oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he was yeah. on vacation and uh, when things were, yeah. And also bad. people felt there wasn't enough of federal and he's, response. Yeah. And he's a denialist, sure. too. I mean, he's not somebody who's in favor of, you know, uh, engineering change in carbon uh, right. And well, the use. other thing is, is that a lot of people don't like deregulation can change their minds. Uh, who don't like regulation can change their mind very quickly. When they see the, the outcome. You know, we're yeah. all looking to survive and, and flourish. I mean, I don't blame anybody for selfish views. I mean, that's what we do. We all do it in one way or another. We all want to do well. And what doing well might mean different things. I first, first certainly feel privileged. And so some of my prerogatives are privileged prerogatives. Like, I, you know, I don't really care about forest fires and stuff like this. I'm very fortunate now that could change, you know? Right. Ooh, speaking of change, man, that's scary music. We love our father, John Misty, here on the show. Woohoo! because he is so scary and apocalyptical. And it's our exit music, and we always talk about, as we exit, what we're about to embark upon in the next week or the next month or the next million years. Greg? Uh, I'm going to pursue transcendence. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Ooh. You're going to float? I, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to well, I feel like you seek do it. it. You do it every day. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, you do it every I, day. That's how I roll. You're going to be in my classroom tomorrow. That's right. I'm so looking hi- forward to that very much. The, the class is to yeah. have you come in and talk about oh. the Middle East, even though your expertise is the Maghreb. So we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, really appreciate too. it. Waylon? This week, easy. We have fi- we have finals coming up, so we yeah. got a couple of half days in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, party time. I'm trying to get out. <laughs> I just got a whole bunch of uh, camping gear, so oh, I want really? to do some winter camping. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember you were Overnight into that, researching camping. that. Yeah, good for I, you. I can't do winter camping. I, I would just complain the whole time. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's going to be cold. me, too. <laughs> Somehow I feel like we're going to see Waylon in the news. Man found frozen. It's oh, like, don't uh, say that. It's like, watching, it's like uh, The Shining. Uh, <laughs> just out there. Well, folks, you've been listening to The Free Associates. We have our website, thefreeassociates.us. You can podcast us all over the place. It's so great to have this platform. I want to remind you that no matter what happens, it'll happen. We might be part of that decision. We may not be part of the decision, but we'll all have to deal with it. Um, and that's all right, because we are staying loose here on The Free Associates. also want to let you guys know that there's a new time for Barbarian in the Valley. Oh, yeah, Barbarian in the Valley, the dark side of Cody, the BIQ, the Barbarian in Question. And that is situated now at midnight on Sunday morning, really early Saturday midnight. Well, this is kind of hard to describe. I guess it's midnight (laughs) Sunday. I don't know. (laughs) Like right after Saturday, the first thing that happens after Saturday on the air is Barbarian in the Valley. Between zero and one. Yes, between (laughs) zero and one. That's right. And that's where it belongs. It's a nighttime show and it's radio theater at its best. So we're grateful to have you with us. Remind you that we'll see you next week. And until that magical, mystical moment, you have a good time. Bye-bye.